Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 55.1 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine, and it's another special podcast. We will probably be back sometime um, with one of those, uh, get the co-hosts together and, and chat about uh, nothingness. Um, but in the meanwhile, I wanted to uh, continue my thing of uh, just calling up people during the quarantine. Uh, this week, I've got Christian Ramirez, who is uh, you know longtime favorite uh, player of Minnesota fans, one of my favorite players of all time. Um, and uh, we talk about the quarantine and, and kind of life since Minnesota, life at Minnesota, the early days. Uh, I just uh, I won't take any more time other than to say it's brought to you by uh, Blackheart of St. Paul, which is uh, the best damn queer soccer bar in town. Um, we are back with uh, to-go uh, beer, wine, and food starting uh, this weekend. So uh, basically every Friday and Saturday, um, we've got curbside drag with drag uh performers uh bringing the food out to you you can get a six pack of uh summit and a hedgies pizza or if you just want to get the beer you have to get some sort of food so you can buy chips with it or something uh anyway it's a really weird time i appreciate how much great feedback um and support we've gotten um it's very weird being unemployed and then suddenly having at least something to do with a little bit of my time so uh yeah if you can please uh support us and uh support um you know getting a few of these people at least back to work um uh that'd be great uh so here is the interview with christian ramirez and thank you Christian Ramirez is a is a striker for um, the Houston Dynamo. Our listeners will know him best as Superman, the um, all-time leading goal scorer in the modern era of pro soccer in Minnesota. He came to Minnesota in uh, 2014 after his first year as a pro with Charlotte Eagles, and he went on to score 72 goals uh, for the Loons before um, being sold to LAFC in 2018. Christian, um, thanks for um, jumping on a phone call with me, and um, I want to uh, to start by asking how you're doing. How's the quarantine life treating you? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm trying uh, not to lose my mind, um, <laughs> but there's days where days are just blurred together, and uh, you don't see an end of, of this happening. Yeah, is it um, how the family's doing all right, and and everyone's kind of getting by the best they can? Yeah, I mean. Uh, sort of tough with one a pregnant wife um and two with a two-year-old who just became before all this started so in love with going to a park that's probably a block from our apartment and she hasn't been back there in now almost six weeks so yeah every day she wakes up asking to go to that park and uh sort of crushing not to be able to take her yeah what 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 do you uh what's the so far what's working in in terms of keeping yourself sane? Uh, well, I converted my wife's office into like a mini gym with some equipment that the Dynamo uh, loaned to us, sure. um, and uh, I have a Peloton bike that I've been riding, um, and just trying to stay stay busy. I mean, I'll stay off my phone or stay off of the news channel um, because early on I was just sort of letting the day go by watching the news and it sort of started giving me 
anxiety, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I already deal, deal with some anxiety. Um, so it sort of started making me really worry and, uh, somewhat like had like a mild panic attack in, uh, one of the nights where I couldn't fall asleep. Almost yeah. like my heart was going to pop out of my chest and sort of had to regroup after that and sort of change the way that I started to approach my days and, uh, what content I was looking at and, and what I was trying to avoid. Yeah, I am. Um, I I think that sounds familiar in in various various ways to to a lot of people. Um, what kind of routine does does the Houston Dynamo have you on uh, as teammates or just just on your own? Uh, so we have a workout plan every day that uh, we have to turn on this app at ten a.m. and do a wellness uh, survey, and then we'll have our our workout for the day. Uh, some days require you to go outside and run. If you can't, they give you a bike option. Um, some days it require two, two bouts of cardio. Um, and then we've been having, uh, like video sessions on a couple days of the week. This week was Wednesday, Friday. Last week was every day because we did like a personal presentation about our life for five minutes. Each player did. Um, so we've, I guess, maintained a, an okay schedule of at least trying to resemble a team in this tough time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do, do you find yourself talking to your, um, just texting or, or talking to your teammates, uh, more often or, or, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few that I, that I talk to, um, on an everyday basis. Um, whether I'm talking to Memo Rodriguez because we just finished up doing a, a charity Fortnite event that we were playing in, or I'm talking to Zarek about players union stuff, or just in general, catching up with certain guys, how they're doing. And, um, it, it all, it all <laughs> starts to become a bit repetitive because you know exactly what yeah. each other are doing or like if I'm, talking to one of my friends, like, I'm like, dude, if you're not responding to me, what are you doing? Because you're either one working out or two, you're just sitting on the couch watching TV. Uh, it's not like you have a, a, a kid uh, running around that you're having to play with. So if you're not responding, it's because you don't want to talk to me and <laughs> you start to take that little personal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and you know, you check in with someone and there's no, they got nothing new to tell you other than what episode of Tiger King that they're on. Yeah, I know, and that was the, that's the latest show that I've watched, which blew my mind. I'm I still am uh, am uh, have not dipped my toes into it yet, so I've uh, I'm I'm waiting. There's a long quarantine ahead, so I I feel like I'll hit it eventually when when it's uh you know when I've got time. So, um, I want to um go back and, and talk about um kind of your early career. Um, can we go back to 2014 and, and you're in England with the loons camp? Um, what was that preseason like for you going in? You know, you had, you had just come from uh, your first pro season at Charlotte Eagles and you come to Minnesota and you guys are off in England uh, um, training together. What, what was that preseason like? Uh, it was fun. I mean, um, so I signed obviously with, with Minnesota after I came and I, I trialed with them right after the uh, Charlotte season. Um, 
so I signed later on that off season. And uh, for many people that don't know, I signed a like an eight month contract that paid from April uh, eight eight months after April. And preseason started, uh, I think it was like February. So it was like, okay, you're coming on preseason, but you're not going to get paid for two months. <laughs> uh, so like, but you're getting like, you're getting housing and uh, like swipe per diem. So I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, and I knew I, I was coming in to, to force my way onto the field and like compete with Pablo at the time, who at the time was, all-time league goal scorer in ASL. Um, uh, like I knew I wanted to, to get on the field and, and one, either challenge for that spot or two, be ready when my opportunity came or three, maybe, you know what, the coach decides, let's just play you two up front together. Mm-hmm. Um, and preseason started going. Um, we went to LA and at the end of that LA trip, um, we played against the Galaxy who at the time had, uh, Donovan, Keane, everyone. We played them in like a really crazy storm. Um, and I came on the last 20 minutes, I think it was 15, 20 minutes, and I scored. And that was the last game that we played before uh, we went to England. We flew back to Minnesota and we went to England like three days after. So that was the last image that I had leaving to England. And we get to England and the first game was against Matlock Town. And, um, the day before <laughs> I, I get put into the lineup, but I got put in as a right mid and for everybody who knows me knows I have no business being out on the wing. And so I was, I'd never played it in my life and I'm looking around and guys like, Hey guys, uh, don't really know what I'm doing out here. So just going to try and make it work. Um, and that lasted 10 minutes in that Madlock game where, uh, I think Manny at the time just goes, you know what, let's just go Christian, go up top with Pablo um, and go into 4-4-2. And after that, I, I scored that game and we won 3-0. And um, it looked it looked like we were going to start playing a 4-4-2. And then, and then you know, faithfully, the, the next game after that was was the game where uh, where Pablo was, was injured basically for the whole season after that. Um you know, um, you kind of answered this a little bit about that, but um, all of a sudden, then you find your, yourself kind of—I'm um, I'm forgetting—was it Mac Predom or that year? I, there was another um, potential striker option who I think was was there. Um, so it was um, Tyler uh, uh, Nate Polak. Oh yeah, Nate. Right, uh, yeah. Nate Polak, and then later on in that year, Mac Predom came. And later on in that year, they brought in Rafa Burgos. So it was like the whole year I, I was scoring goals, but yeah. I, some, somehow it was like, now oh, we're going to keep trying to bring guys in to see, like, this this can't last. Like, it, that that's almost like the mentality that I felt. It was yeah. like, oh, they're trying to continue to bring someone. Because yeah. I remember the first game that they announced uh, Rafa, uh, <laughs> we played at TCS, actually, and, played Ottawa and I scored two goals that game and I was like guys you can bring in whoever you want but I'm still gonna be here was my whole mentality that year yeah well I I mean I guess we can talk about it in a bit but that 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 feels like a a familiar story uh um throughout um various times at Minnesota for you but um you uh you then you kind of go in and you you know uh I, I, I can certainly say at that time 
I knew very little about who you were. Um, and you went in and, and your, your debut game was that, uh, San Antonio Scorpions game. And you scored, I, I think somewhere in the 15th minute, 15 minutes, um, what did what did that kind of do for your kind of expectations of of what you thought that year could be like? Um, you know, you said you went into it and you were like, "I'm gonna." My goal is to push and try to get that, and then all of a sudden, here you are. You're you're the starter, and you've scored a goal, and then you you keep finding yourself scoring goals. I mean, for for me, it was one of those things that I had like. What people don't know is I came off of like that year before with Charlotte, like I had eight regular season goals and then I had four in the, in the playoffs for that one, that and two in the final in Orlando that we were up three, two. Uh, and if it wasn't for Dwyer's four goals, that game that killed us, that we would have won that final. Um, so I was coming off of a, a really like confident first year pro, like, um, and I put in a lot of work in the off season and I knew the talent that the NASL had, I knew that it was a higher level, but I've always said like the better players around me, the more goals I'll score, the the more of the team that I'm on will win um, because of my, my movement and guys will start to find me. So I knew that I had guys like pitch and Jamie at the time, Miguel, JD, uh, Floyd Franks, Daniel Mendez. I had guys who, who, would find me in really good spots and my job was just finishing. They trusted me at time at every single moment. And it wasn't until one of the days where they gave me the ball for the PK where I was like, Oh, okay. Now, now this is, this is my team. Like uh, they trust me this much to put this responsibility on me. And um, after that, it was no looking back. You couldn't, you couldn't take that confidence from me no matter what the situation was. You had uh, some great times in Minnesota. I'm, I'm wondering if you can pick out any specific uh, games or goals that you that you look back on the most. Um, I'm really uh, I'm really happy that I was the first ever to score in the MLS because that's like a, a trivia question that I'll forever have. <laughs> uh, so that so that was pretty cool because. Uh, just the nature of uh, like moving up with the team and mm-hmm. here and hearing that first goal shout. Um, so that, that was awesome. Um, the top, top three goals would have to be the one against North Carolina that started that season off in North Carolina. Um, the bicycle kick against Indy mm-hmm. and then uh, the goal against uh, San Jose at TCF. So those those are my my top three goals that I enjoyed. Tell me uh, about the San Jose one. It doesn't. I don't quite remember it. So what what stands out about that one to you? Uh, it was like a first time finish from the top of the right corner of the box where Salinas like thought his defend his teammate was there and he passed it without looking. And I saw the goalie off his line, and I hit it to the back post. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, but then I go back and I think, like, well, the two goals uh, against RSL that led to the first uh, win in MLS history, like, mm-hmm. I got man of the match for that game. So those two are special. Uh, like back in my first hat trick against North Carolina at home when we were up in Blaine, mm-hmm. uh, like 
don't know. The list just goes on. And it, it's it's pretty wild. You look back and you go, well, that spring trophy that that we won. Um, like, uh, yeah, I have a lot. Yeah, yeah. You you know we we talk obviously about your partnership with Miguel. Um, I'm wondering um, who did you have the the best on the field partnership with, um, and ex- excluding Miguel. And and I'm curious why. Like what what did what worked about that that partnership? Um, I think I've had several really good partnerships, um, all different in their own in their own way. Um, with Miguel is just like a dynamic like. You, mind reading, like I know where he's going to be, you know, or I'm going to be sort of thing. Um, I think I've had a really special one um, that just flowed naturally with Darwin um, because I was at the time sacrificing like some of my game to, to make him free and let him roam to, to where the game presented. And that turned him into situations where he was, uh, isolated one v one because defenders didn't want to come off of me because he he would find me in those spots. Um, I really enjoyed playing with Mauro Minotas here um, when when we've been able to play together up front in a two front mm-hmm. um, because we're so similar in in understanding of the game and and our style of play that it just flows so well and he he's such a prolific goal scorer that guys like respect him so much. And, um, uh, and then he feeds off of that and he, he looks at me and he, in the public and in the media, like gave me a, a big credibility when I got traded here that he's been begging for, for someone like me to be on the team. And so it's just something that evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the obvious, I mean, Carlos Vela, I mean, I didn't really get to play uh, score as much as I would like to, even though I was still at like the regular clip that I was, that I've been on my whole career. Um, just that I was getting subbed out earlier in the games. Um, but yeah, he, he could tell you, uh, he knew that if he made a run forward and he had a break offense uh, defensively, I would run back and perform him and let him be who he is and not complain. And, just be out there. And I think it was some crazy stat that like when I started, we only lost two games in a, in a year. So I took great pride in in that. Um, but yeah, those are some of the good ones. Um, uh, how have you kind of changed and evolved as, as a striker? Cause I, I remember once, um, you saying that Falcao and Edin Dzeko, um, I think those are the two players. Um, were two of the strikers yeah. you kind of admired, and you 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 thought about like, kind of modeled yourself after in some ways. And I'm wondering if that's still true, and and if you've maybe turned out to be the the style of striker that you thought you would be, or or if you've ended up differently than maybe you ima- originally imagined. No, I think I stayed pretty true to myself. Um, besides one little hiccup that I, I like to say because. Um, at my time at LAFC, I felt like I tried to fit in so much to the mold and exact of what they wanted that I sort of lost myself in that. Um, and as hard as, hard as that can be, um, like, yes, you want to be exactly what the coach wants you to be. But if you become that and you lose yourself, then 
you lose why they brought you, you lose yeah. mm. what makes you special. Um, and I felt like I got away from some of the things that made me special. And, um, I told myself when, when I came to Houston that I wasn't going to let that happen. And, and I stayed true to it. Uh, and I've seen, been seeing good results. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just, I try and be true to myself, but also work so hard defensively for my teammates and show them that I'm selfless and I'm not a forward that just cares about his own personal stats that I, I want to win, uh, be, be the guy for them. And when, when I, I think every teammate that I'll have will, will tell you that they, they see that in me. Um, and I think that's why I've had such good relationships where, wherever I've gone. Describe to me like your perfect goal. If you imagine this, like what, what's the buildup, where are you and, and what do you do? What, what, and it doesn't even have to be one that you scored, but like when you go into that magic place and you imagine this is what I want to happen this game, what, what would that look like? Can you, can you repeat that question? Yeah. I just wondering what your, your perfect goal um, for you uh, would be, would be like uh, what, what kind of goal do you really just like imagine and try to try to make yourself uh, happen? Oh, I, I like uh, a nice volley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, there's no better feeling of when you hit a ball uh, clean off of a volley, and it just is on a rope and goes in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, the first one that comes off my mind is at the NSC uh, against Carolina. Uh, the ball sort of just came bouncing towards me, and I took a touch to like keep it bouncing, and I smacked and just when it left my foot I knew it was good Um, and then you got one uh, against for Houston my first one bees played it across to me and normally you can take a touch and settle it on the floor but I knew it was coming and I popped it up to myself to then volley it um, because I just knew I could get it off faster and hit it cleaner that way um, and then you got one of the first ones at the NSC, which was against the strikers. Uh, it was a left footed volley that just felt so right coming off my foot. So pretty obsessed with volleys. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's also <laughs> wonderful. Have, you know, you scored a lot of goals, uh, in, in your day and, and having, having such a memory for what they were and how they oh, felt. Yeah. I, I don't forget any, any goal. I mean, I've even had a couple goals that everybody says weren't mine <laughs> that I claimed <laughs> uh, like my second goal for Minnesota ever was in Ottawa. We played at some college stadium um, and it was the last minute of the game and the ball came to the back post and I headed it and pitch tried to back heel it. I don't know if he touched it or not, but it went through a crowd and it went in and I've always been told to celebrate and I celebrated like I scored and they gave me the goal. <laughs> That is a proper striker. Um, yeah. Uh, can I can I ask what the process of leaving Minnesota uh, was like? Did you know uh, that you were kind of being shopped, or or what? What can you tell me about that? Um, so it was pretty. Uh, uh, it happened pretty fast. Because um, when when they first were signing Angelo, um, I was brought in and told basically, look at it's a competition between you two. Um, and I said, okay, cool, whatever. Um, it's always been a competition for me, even before he got there. 
Um, I mean, I signed and the first draft pick was a center forward in Abu. Yeah. Um, the next year get, we dropped another forward in Mason. So it wasn't like they, they weren't looking for forwards. So I said, okay. Um, and I had just been on a streak where me and Darwin and Miguel were tearing the league up the last Mm -hmm. couple of months. And I finally was healthy because as many people know, the first game of the year, I came in as a sub for Abu who started and the first play that I'm in, I almost break my ankle. And the next month, uh, I was practicing either Thursday, uh, very light and Friday is a walkthrough. So I wasn't practicing, but I was taping my ankle and taking meds to play and sucking it up to play. So I wasn't myself. I couldn't turn a certain direction. So I wasn't scoring goals early on in the, that second year in the MLS until we finally was able to get a PRP injection and uh, during a bye week and, and rest up and get it close to as healthy as I could. Um, and then I finally found my form. Um, and then Angela got brought in and I remember we played in Vancouver was the first game that after his announcement and we lost three zero. None of the goals were my fault. Uh, nothing sort of happened. I was like, dang, okay, well, this for sure means I'm out of the lineup. We lost like no matter if I played well or not, we lost. So surely we play Seattle the next week and we lose. Uh, he started, I didn't play. Um, I did my fitness after the game and I like, for whatever reason, I just knew something, something wasn't right after that game. And, uh, if many people could see what I did on the field after that, when, when the crowd was gone or just stood there and walked around TCF because I, I, I just had a bad feeling about it. And surely a couple of days later, um, I got traded. Um, yeah, I knew I, I, after that game on Mon- on Monday that I got word from my agent that teams were calling um, and Minnesota was interested in listening if the right offer came. And um, I think that that same weekend, Diomande did his hamstring for LAFC. So I think they just they pulled the trigger and Minnesota couldn't say no. In many ways, LAFC was kind of a, a perfect move. You're you're back near your family. You're playing in, in kind of one of the best squads in the league, um, with with you know arguably the best uh, player um, with Vela. Um, putting aside leaving Minnesota and, and maybe your feelings there, um, did it feel kind of like a a dream move? Yeah, I mean, it, it felt really surreal. Um, that of all places, because I hadn't heard when they told me the teams that were calling and interested, and I would read online that weekend after the game, like not once was that even a possibility Um, or a team that was brought up and then it happened. And I was like, Oh crap. Like this is crazy. I mean, I've always wanted to play in in at home um, in front of my family and stuff. Um, So it was awesome. I mean, I was just like, first day that I, I got there and got my locker and look and I'm next to Vela and Rosie and just immediately clicked with them. Um, and yeah, things, things were pretty awesome. Um, 
you know, you you talked a little bit about this, but I'm I'm curious with um with that. You know, you had you talked about kind of scoring not as much as you wanted to, but um, but six goals in 24 games is is not not nothing. Um, I, I wonder um how you how you kind of think about your role of sacrificing yourself in goal scoring positions and the rest of the team to score. Is it kind of a zero sum game where, you know, in order to make your teammates better, you have to score a little bit less or is there some way to kind of have the best of both worlds? I think there is a a balance. And I think that's why I look back at my time with LA and, um, I regret losing myself a little bit because when I first got there, I, whether it was just me being feeling so free, like I was in the zone, like, like the first couple games, like started and we we won, I scored, like, and then the LA Galaxy game came and we tied one one. I uh, I got subbed out. I missed one opportunity that I mean wasn't like a gimme, but, uh, I didn't feel like I played my best. And then the next game I got pulled from the lineup and didn't play at all. So I was just like confused. And, mm-hmm. um, like over that, that several stretch of the last seven games, like didn't really see time. I didn't make the 18 one game. So I was just like some, some like, did I do something? Yeah. And then the playoffs come and, uh, I come in at half and I score and I'm like, yeah, I've been here, guys. Like, so I was like myself, and then I worked so hard in the off season to to fit the mold that they wanted because I sat and we talked and discussed and um, come off of the U.S. national team cap and um, flying high with confidence and and yeah, I mean, I just sort of started to work a lot more for the team and um, like I we started seeing that Bella started on a tear and like. I missed a couple of goals that I normally would put away and I sort of got in my own head a little bit about that. Like I was frustrated and, um, about why I missed those. And like, I, I thought maybe it's, I'm doing too much other, other stuff for the team. It's not stuff just starts to go through your head about something. At the end of the day, I'm like, look, we're winning. So I'm just going to keep doing what I've been doing. And, um, anytime that I, I start, we're winning. So that should speak for itself. Um, and it was, and I think it, I don't think I was traded because I wasn't scoring goals. I think I was traded more because of my contract situation, um, being up at the end of the year and having, uh, a big, uh, two year option. Um, so it was a financial decision and teams in Mexico are calling in June and, um, that's sort of the business, but who knows? Um, yeah, yeah I, I think I, I found myself going into my prime of who I am. And uh, I think if I get a coach's backing, um, that is going to live with me and die with me. I, I think I'll, I'll prove and, and be higher than the 14 goals that I scored when I, when I was fully the, the starter that first year. Nonetheless. Yeah. You, since making the move to Houston, you've had three coaches in in ten appearances. Um, it's not ideal, obviously. Um, you know, with with Tab there um, and, and kind of looking forward. Obviously, we don't know what the hell the next year this year is going to look like. But um, you know, what 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 do you kind of 
how are you looking at it for yourself to to be like setting it out so that you can go forward and, and kind of uh, get your spot or you know get your chance to kind of shine in your prime? Um. Well, I mean, it's sort of tough in the situation that I'm in right now. Like, forget about the pandemic and everything that happened, but um, I don't think Tab was ready for both Morrow and I to be here. One, because there was offers for both of us this off season. And two, I've had numerous conversations about that, that he wants to play one forward. Um, and it's going to be Morrow until, um, until further notice, basically, no matter what I do. Um, so that's the first in, in a situation that I've ever been in where no matter what I do, um, and I mean, I had a great preseason this year. I, I played with the second team all preseason and I scored, it was like four goals, mm-hmm. um, which was the most goals I've scored in a preseason. And um, I knew that didn't really mean anything because I'm not going to be starting. And I'm not going to be playing my position. And you saw at the first couple of games where I subbed on at left mid. Um, and and you know, anyone that knows me knows, <laughs> like I said earlier, I, I don't play on the wing and I'll be exposed on the wing. Um, I'm too far away from the goal to be productive and use my strength. So um, it's sort of just like a game where it's a waiting game now to see if one, uh, the formation changes mm-hmm. um, because of results or because he wants to get the best the true best 11 out there to give the best team, the team, the best opportunity. So he's willing to hopefully change what he feels because of the style that we play. It does still in a lot of ways, simulate a four, four, two. So that's why I don't see why it can't easily be done. Um, or two Morrow or I are sold in the summer window, which now is a lot tougher because of the situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, basically just down to a waiting game and staying ready for, for what happens if, uh, if my name's called. Yeah. What, um, what milestones are you, are you still wanting to hit in your career? You mentioned the, the kind of getting a chance to kind of beat that initial, initial, uh, 14 goal marker you laid down. But what else do you, do you kind of hope for this year, next year, et cetera? Uh, I want to I want to keep scoring as many goals as I can. I want to get back on the national team radar um, because I know, and Greg knows that I can be that Alan Gordon type mm-hmm. player on the national team, the Chris Wando player on the national team who gets called up and not necess- I don't necessarily need to play. I can be that super sub type of role. I can be that mentor type of guy, um, and I think I was in the, in that March camp that I got called in when we played Ecuador and Chile, which mm-hmm. was the first camp that. He had all the European guys in and um, guys would lean on me to know about tactics and formations and what Greg wanted and how he wanted things done because I was with him in, in the January camp and um, I'm an easygoing guy and, and guys can approach me in that aspect. And anyone who knows me knows that I study the game like a madman. Um, so I knew the ins and outs of it. And um, I think, it crushed me a little bit when I was like the last one that Greg called to not make the gold cup, uh, when he called me that summer. Um, and he, he knew, and my last words were to him where I'll be here when you need me and you know what you can expect out of me. And, 
and that was that. So hopefully you get back on that on that picture and um, just score goals and enjoy myself because uh, I don't want to get away from enjoying myself and that that's something that uh, really drives me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this, but you know, at the beginning you were kind of talking about kind of dealing with the quarantine, but also just dealing with anxiety. I'm wondering as a, you know, your job is not, uh, an easy job for, um, being, uh, kind of, uh, you know, you have a lot of pressure, you know, you're out there and, and if you have mm. a bad day at the office, you know, people talk about it and, you know, it affects things. What, how do you, as a, as a professional athlete, how do you, um, deal with and try to, um, work with your own mental health and, and keep kind of, uh, healthy? Um, I've learned to just let it all like go past me. Like when fans say stuff and stuff like that, um, I mean, in LA, I, I received some like death threats at times or like, People are like, you lost me a bunch of money today because you missed that, like stuff like that. And you just ignore that stuff because it's just what comes with it. But um, I know at the end of the day, I I have a rough day at, at work and I see my daughter and my wife as I'm entering the tunnel and you can't, she doesn't know what, what's going on and she just expects you to be happy. And, and that, that initial um, happiness just makes me forget everything. Um, especially when, when I come home and I'm, I'm with them. Um, but I mean, like <laughs> my main anxiety that I deal with is flying, which in my profession <laughs> is really a big part of it. So, yeah. um, that sucks, but, uh, I've gotten used to, it. I've gotten better at it. Um, my teammates now will sit next to me and play cards the whole flight. So, um, they, they've all comforted me in that aspect, which, which has been nice. Um, because so many, so many pe- other people don't, don't enjoy that aspect as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just keeping, keeping busy in other ways. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start school again, uh, in May 4th. So that'll be another thing to, to keep me busy and active. So, uh, yeah, yeah. just never getting too caught up in, in all, all the BS that, that, that goes on. Yeah. Um, this is a very big tone shift, but, um, I'm wondering who the, who's leading the conspiracy that's keeping you from being able to play in Allianz field. Cause even as an opponent, <laughs> as yeah. an opponent, you somehow it yeah. keeps it getting pushed off so much that there's a pandemic that means I, you're not. Trust me, that, was, that was one of the first things that, that I said, I was like, well, what's going to happen to our schedule now? Yeah. Uh, am I going to be able to go to Minnesota this year? Am I not? Do I have to wait now another year? What's going on? Because uh, it's getting pretty out of hand. Yeah. What when it when that happens eventually? What what will it be like? What what's going to go through your mind? Uh, a whirlwind of emotions, to be honest. Because I think it was a couple of days ago where uh, was it the one year mark of the yeah. opening of the stadium? Yeah. Uh, like first game, um, and people were were tweeting to me about it because I tweeted, um, to, to Minnesota. Um, I think it'll, it'll be a full circle of emotions and, uh, just to see everyone again and, and hopefully get a nice reception and, uh, just to be in the state again. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been back since 
that day where I got traded and it was like I had two days to grab my stuff and and get out um so it'll be uh it'll be pretty awesome to to see how far things have come and to finally see something that I feel I helped build um there on Snelling and uh yeah it, it it'll be an emotional day for sure because I know uh, my whole family will want to be there my wife will want to be there especially because of um, my daughter was born in Minnesota, uh, so it, it'll be a, a pretty wild ride of the day. Yeah. Well, um, I, I want to say thanks um, uh, for everything. Thanks for giving me your time and, and uh, um, chatting. Uh, it's really good to kind of talk to you, but also just to go back through some of these memories. And um, uh, yeah, I hope that you and, and the family uh, kind of uh, stay all right and, and good luck with the uh, the birth of your... Is it? Do you know if it's a boy or a girl or are you... Uh, it's a girl. It's a girl. Uh, I'm officially still a girl dad. <laughs> All right. Well, Christian, thank you so much. And I, I hope that we get to talk to you again sometime soon. And, and I hope that we get to, uh, to boo you excessively in, within uh, a few <laughs> months. <laughs> For sure. Appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye.